Welcome to Kicking It with Casca, a podcast that focuses on bringing you the latest and greatest in education. Sit back, relax, and let's kick it. Welcome back, everybody, for another great episode of Kicking It with Casca. Hannah here with my good pal, Mal. And today we have a treat for you all. We have Don Daria, oh my gosh, Daria, I knew I already was going to goof it up, and Paul Miller with Flow Circus. And they have some really cool things to share with us today about things that you can use in your counseling practice. But first, we want to know about these two and just kind of how you guys got into Flow Circus, Flop Balls, all the things that are fun. So let's see, Paul, let's start with you. All right. Um, yeah, so Flow Circus started um, about five or so years after I graduated college. Uh, I graduated college with a degree in accounting, but wanted to become a waiter instead because, uh, you know, that's a lot more joy filled, you know, making people happy and getting tips than working in an office. And while I was there, I, was, uh, I started sort of my performance career, you know, when you're entertaining folks at a table you know, they, they give you money at the end. So I was juggling and doing magic. And, and that's actually where I met Don. Uh, we both met right out of college waiting tables. And, um, so for the first, so cool. yeah, yeah. So, so for the first 10 years or so, um, I was a comedy juggler and, uh, just doing comedy and magic and schools and libraries and you festivals, birthday parties everywhere. You might see a juggler, uh, a young juggler. And, um, after about 10 years or so, uh, uh, I brought Don in to help me teach a camp. Um, actually, I was teaching a camp. I had this idea that, you know, she'd write up lesson plans being an educator. She'd be like, oh, look at what I do and write up uh, plans. And uh, <laughs> that was that was funny because, you know, she's a teacher and I'm a juggler. So we had two very different approaches to how you <laughs> teach a group of kids. Um, but uh, that was the beginning of us working together. And so for the next... 10 or 15 years after that, we started sort of building out the education side. You know, she saw uh, a big potential for what we were doing, you know, from the side of uh, education. I just saw it as fun and, and, and joy filling. Um, and uh, yeah, and so we were doing workshops and teaching camps and doing trainings and that kind of thing. And then, um, and then we've shifted hardcore to working on a trainer trainer model and and really um, broadening our our you know we were working directly with end users students kids and we realized if we worked on a trainer trainer level we could impact more students that way and and Don can probably speak more to um, you know the transition from from uh, the entertainment to the 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 education stuff. That is perfect. Okay, I have to know, where did you guys wait tables? Outside of Boston. Ooh. At a small restaurant. That, well, actually, there were a couple of them out in the Boston area at the time, but now there's none. It no longer exists. <laughs> well, it's because you guys don't work there. You did Exactly. It, it died without us. <laughs> there was no more performance wait, waitering and waitressing, so they're like, we're out. Yeah. <laughs> we're out. That is so no. cool. Paul, thank you for sharing. Don, how about you, our friend? Yeah, I wasn't performing as a waitress. I was busy cleaning up the mess behind him <laughs> <laughs> while he was busy performing. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. So I, um, I was a teacher. I was a classroom teacher and, um, I, when my first year teaching, actually it was, um, December and I was always, I taught in a way that was not a traditional teacher. Um, and part of that was because I was, I was a traditional learner. I love school. Um, I, I love school. I learned in a, in a way that's the way most people teach. Um, and so, but when after college, I met Paul and a number of people who were artists and musicians and didn't learn in a traditional way. And I remember one time sitting around with a group of them and realizing like none of them like school. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> but it was because they were all non-traditional learners. Um, they were all very, very smart, but they were non-traditional learners. And so being friends with this group of people made me realize that when I became a teacher, I needed to teach in a different way than I learned. Um, and so I became a very project-based learner, a teacher and, um, and, and taught a, you know, every day my my desks were in different configurations, which drove the teacher next to me nuts. He he was a very have them in rows and and stand and deliver kind of teacher, so I I always drove him nuts. But anyway, um, December first year of teaching, and um, I was getting tired, and so I was teaching in the Renaissance, and I said, hey, why don't you come teach my kids how to juggle? And uh, I'll, tie, I'll tie it into curriculum, you know, and uh, so he did save me a prep one day. So I was, I was, I was happy. <laughs> and so, but what I was really surprised by was how I got to see my students learning as, as learn as learners in a new way, mm -hmm. because I saw them up and moving and I saw them physically struggling and I see them physically, got to see them physically celebrating and you know I got to see you know people coming and going oh I can't do this and you know and just it was eye-opening for me even though I had been teaching them for several months at this point so that was like a first like oh huh this is this is important stuff um and then over the years of you know a few years later we had moved to North Carolina and Paul was starting to grow the business even more and like he said I went with him to camp one time and it was like okay yep you're performing camp, you're not teaching camp. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we started to realize our, our skill sets, you know, matched up. But what was also important to me then was I was teaching at a school that had a variety of different types of socioeconomic levels, but he was teaching at a camp that obviously certain, only certain students could afford. And I was like, wait, this is really powerful stuff. We were teaching, he was teaching magic and balloon twisting and juggling and it was really empowering for kids you know once they could learn these skills and I was like wait this needs to be accessible to more kids and so how can we figure out a way to to make that more available to more kids how can we broaden the, the impact of our programs um and so that became something I wanted to be able to work toward um and so a combination of of different things led me to to join join flow circus even though I am not when he first taught, tried to teach me how to juggle, it was not a, a happy thing for me. <laughs> Are you able to juggle now? I can. Yep. That is um, so cool. I can. It, it took me a while and, and I, I was my biggest roadblock. My yeah. own, I was my we own fixed mindset. We um, 
you know, so, and that's, that's a big part of our messaging now is to help people get over their own perfectionism. And it was because of my own issues largely, <laughs> but well, also then, what we, what we see in people. And how cool to bring that experience to your kids, noticing that there was a problem and you fixed it. And then you could also bring in the career piece with that. Mm -hmm. You know, how many cool jobs can you do in the circus? How fun. Mm -hmm. I love that. So Hannah, how did you meet these amazing people? So I actually, I might, Paul, did you go to ASCA one time? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so I actually found out about you guys at ASCA, like 400 times we're on this podcast. I'm like, we met you at ASCA. Um, so <laughs> you were doing your juggling and you were flopping and doing all these fun things. And actually Mallory was with me too. And we're like, that's cool. And you handed us a flop ball and we're like, we don't know what to do with this. And you're like, well, let me show you. And I was like, this is great. And then I took it home with me. And then, you know, I kind of, unfortunately, set my whole bag of stuff from Aska to the side. And I didn't even look through it for a while because I think I had all the ideas swirling through my head and I had the fun PowerPoints and all that. And then later I was digging through it and I saw that flop ball and I was like, this was so fun. So a flop ball for people who are listening is like a squished hacky sack is what I say it is to the kids. Like, what is that? It's like a squished hacky sack that you play um, with on the top of your hand instead of like catching it or with your, you could do it with your foot. Um, but there's all sorts of fun things that you can do with it. And so I um, had some budget money left over one year. And at the end of the year, I thought, well, let's just get it. And then I'll look through this stuff through the summer. And then when I come back to school, I'll start using these flop balls um, within my own classes and groups and things like that. And so I started out using um, a flop ball with teaching growth mindset. So when you were talking about Dawn, that perfectionism and how we just want to be perfect every time, um, that's not going to happen with a flop ball because none of my students had ever used it. So I told them up front, we are going to fail. You're going to goof up and it's okay because we're all on the same playing field with it. But I loved where you said, Dawn, that you saw a whole different side of the kids because I did too. The second I got out that flop ball, it was like kids who uh, were unwilling to try anything else are suddenly like, oh, look, I got it, I got it. Or kids who maybe were not always the kindest to others were like, whoa, you can do that. Like they were just really, it was just such a cool environment that we created, but we were all on the same page. I think that's the part that made it so cool is no one knew how to do this. No one had done it before. So it was difficult, but we all got through it together and it was so fun. So then after that lesson, um, we have continued to use them, but kids will ask me all the time. Like we had state testing in here um, and they use my room as like a separate quiet setting. And when my five students who are in here were done, they're like, hey, do you have those hacky sack? Can we get out those hacky sack things? And I was like, sure. So they're like wanting to hacky sack, I think really as like a distress, like to de-stress after taking the state test and just kind of a feel good kind of thing. But I have really seen kids use it in a variety of ways. Um, for that fun and playfulness within the classroom. Um, I'll ask you guys a little bit about the mindfulness piece too, because that's so cool to me, but I really love it for the growth mindful, uh, growth mindset and also just play and fun because a lot of times we take that out of school because we got to get down to the nitty gritty. Even as counselors, we need to teach you respect, responsibility, trustworthiness, you know, all the character um, pillars. And we just, we sometimes forget that 
the thing kids need most is a little fun and fun really adds to community building really and truly. Um, but the part I think that drew me initially to it was the fun, but also that mindfulness piece, because you guys think of it in a completely different way than I ever had before. Um, so could you guys kind of speak to that part? Cause when I think of mindfulness, I think of calm, quiet, we're doing meditation, we're doing yoga, we're deep breathing, everything is nice, you know, just, just calm and quiet. So um, you guys think of it in a different way. And I love it because I think it really speaks to a lot of kids. So tell us a little bit about that side of things. Great. I'd love to. Um, before I do, I just want to, going back to a couple of things Ooh. you said, trigger some ideas. And one, I just want to um, talk about, you know, we named the Flopball. So the Flopball is our product. And so the reason we named it Flopball is A, it's floppy, right? But also flopping. Flopping is part and built into the process of learning anything new. So we purposely put that in the name. Ooh, very um, creative. I see what you did there. Just so it's, you know, people are, it's, it, you know, we sometimes like when first time somebody drops in a workshop, we say, yay, you won, you know, because like <laughs> just to, it's, yeah, it's, you're going to do it. It's part of the process. Like it's, embrace it, you know? Um, also, I just, when you were talking, it reminded me of, you know, we've been doing professional development for groups for years, but before we taught, before we had the flop ball, we taught juggling and other skill toys, you know, things spinning plates and flower sticks and all other, you know, types of skill toys. And one of the first trainings we did for a group of librarians that work with teens, um, we, we were teaching them all these skill toys and then gave them a bucket of these skill toys so that they could then do teen programming. And so we did this training and we were all excited. They were all excited. We're like, all right, great. We followed up with a number of them like a couple of months later. I was like, okay, how's it going? And the response we got was, oh, we haven't run any programs yet because we're not good enough. We're not good enough at the toys yet to run programs. We're like, oh, okay. We need to shift the focus of our programs. You don't need to be expert at these toys to run programs. You're experts at learning. You learning alongside the students and the teens is just as valuable. You dropping and learning and messing up alongside them is way more important and to model for them than you being an expert at it. They don't need to see an expert, you know? And so that shifted all of our trainings and focuses to, oh, it's about modeling dropping. It's about modeling growth mindset. It's about modeling, like, how do you react when you drop? That's important, not you being an expert at it. And so that just, that was, um, eye-opening for us and also a great message. And so now that that has shifted um, everything for us. So um, it's 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 awesome for you. Like you said, we were all on the same, on the same level, on the same, um, having the same experience. So um, that's awesome. Um, so mindfulness, Paul, did you want to add? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess the only thing that I would add to that is that, you know, our, our focus, our focus isn't on what you can do. You know, one of the one of the challenges is you you show folks all these great tricks you can do with skill toys from around the world. You know, juggling tricks and flower stick tricks, and you know, and and people get in their in their head what success looks like, and if if they're not living up to that, you know, they give up. Like Dawn, she was a perfectionist. She wanted to be able to get the success. She wasn't getting it, 
And so she stopped. And, and so what we emphasize is it's not what you can do. It's about what you can't do yet. Because once you learn to do something, then the next thing to do is learn something else you can't do. So it levels the playing field in that everybody's working at their edge of what they can't do yet. And there's no, there's no shame associated with that. And there's, you know, it, it, it's all the process of working through that, 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 you know, pushing your edge and, and achieving the flow, which is, you know, that's where flow happens at the edge of what you can do. But that's taking it away from, uh, or uh, that's a little diversion because Don's okay. going to talk about active mindfulness. <laughs> Before you do that, I'm going to piggyback off you just a little bit too. Sure. Because the really cool part with the growth mindset is at the end of this, you know, session with my students, we all had fun there. Yes. There's going to be a couple, you know, grumpy Gretels in there, but for the most part, we all had a really good time. And so I loved using that to talk about what, what if you approached all of your problems like this, or what if you approached everything in with this mindset that I'm going to mess up, but it's going to be okay. And eventually the successes that they're going to have are going to outweigh the failures that we had at the beginning. And they were all like, you could just see the little light bulbs go off and they're like, Oh, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. And I thought that was, that was worth it, you know, worth its weight in gold, because that was just such a cool moment to just kind of see that they, they realized then that maybe we are too hard on ourselves and we're not, you know, we're all here to learn. We're all going to goof up. It's okay. So I thought that was really cool. Mm. Now we'll get into some active mindfulness. <laughs> so, yeah, so we, we talk about, you know, um, active mindfulness and one of the big aha moments for me was I was listening to an interview with Ellen Langer, who is a researcher at Harvard, and she wrote a book called Mindfulness, and then she also wrote another book, I think it's The Power of Mindful Learning, and in the interview with her, I think it was like the 20th anniversary, 25th anniversary of her book, Mindfulness, um, had come, and so she's been around for a while, um, and she was talking about how meditation is one form of mindfulness or one way to access mindfulness. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. They're not one in the same. <laughs> I had always heard them used interchangeably. And so in, in her research, she had initially studied mindlessness, you know, us being on autopilot, us just kind of going around in our day, just not really paying attention. And so mindfulness is paying attention. Um, there's a more com complex definition that she has, but um, essentially mindfulness is paying attention. And so, yes, meditation is a great way. I meditate, you know, great meditation is a great way to be more attuned. Um, breathing is a great way to center yourself, but that doesn't work for all students. We know that not all students can sit there and breathe. So what's another way to get them to be more mindful, to get them to pay more attention to get them to center themselves. And so we've, um, one exercise that we do is after having people play with a flat ball for a few minutes, one question we ask is, what did you notice? While learning new tricks, I noticed, and we have them finish that sentence stem. And one common thing we hear is while focusing in on this, using our, you know, um, um, saying, I realize people are listening. So while focusing in on flipping this ball with my hand and just focusing in on that, 
all of the things that were in my head, all of the things I had been worried about and stressing about, I, I wasn't thinking about, right? Because we're so focused in on this thing in our body, but we're in this moment. So we're not worrying about the things that happened before. We're not worrying about the things that are coming ahead, right? So we're in the moment. So that's that's a way to kind of get grounded and get centered because we're just here and now focusing in on this object in our hand and getting it to flip the way we want it to flip. Hmm. Um, and that then- so cool. Yeah. And and it's good practice too, you know? I mean, sure, we're, we're practicing the mindfulness in flipping a flop ball in the back of your hand. But you practice that and you're like, hey, well, I can be mindful anywhere. So I could be mindful walking and just paying attention to how my my feet land. Like we can become mindful on anything. It's just a choice. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, hey, I can I can focus in and, and pay attention to what's happening here. And it doesn't have to be a trick. It doesn't have to be hard. It could be something you love doing, you know? But it, it's it's sort of just becoming uh, mindful and, and, you know, consciously addressing or, or, or focusing our attention on um, an activity. And yeah, I mean, Breathing isn't going to work for everybody. Like Don said, you know, um, wouldn't work for me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a part that I thought was so cool about this because it totally shifted my idea of what mindfulness is too. Um, because I have so many students who focusing is hard. Like our kids with ADHD, our kids who are really active. Those are not our friends where, you know, deep breathing, meditation, those kind of things are probably going to work. But whereas you know, taking them and showing them how to use a flop ball and really giving them some routines with it, I think would really help. I haven't done that yet, but it's kind of in the back of my mind that I've been toying around with as we end this year, but moving towards uh, next year, kind of thinking about how, what are some other ways that I can use this to help students? Because it's not just fun, um, but it can also be like, you know, like we said, in that active mindfulness, you're here in the here and now, everything else has stopped. We're, we don't have to be so busy and active and our mind isn't, you know, squirrel braining everywhere, looking at all the different things. I think that's so cool. And so, you can, sorry, I was just going to no, add, go right ahead. you can just as easily become mindless with this too. Like you can just start flipping and just get into an auto mode and just like, let your mind wander just like you can anything else. So it's, it's, it can just as easily become mindless, but you can, then that's when you have to say, okay, what's the next trick I'm working on? And then start pushing your edge. And then once you start working on a new trick, you got to focus back in, right? So that's where it's that keep working that edge and add a new level of difficulty. And then you're that right back into, uh oh, I got to pay attention again. But that's, and then that's also, you know, um, paying attention, like just changing the hand position if you're paying attention to the hand position, now you're, you can make it flip in different directions. Um, and so being harder aware, than you think. <laughs> <laughs> and so there's also a body awareness and in this now our digital lives that we live, paying attention to body awareness. Um, and we spend so much time up in our heads. A lot of times we aren't in our bodies. And this is particularly for the upper elementary where there's a lot of time on screens now getting them up out of their seats for a few minutes and having them do something a little bit physical. And this doesn't take up a lot of space. So getting them up, just standing by their desk for a few minutes to do something physical and then sit back down, you know, that, that can give them a little bit of body awareness that they might not be getting otherwise. That's self-regulation too, because we know kids mm -hmm. need to move to self-regulate and we're always looking for ways that they can do that 
within the classroom because we can't have you leave forever and ever and ever. So that's another piece to think about as well, that it just kind of helps regulate you. Um, so well, earlier, so this, oh, go ahead. Just on the mindfulness piece too, there's also, you know, there's physical awareness, but then there's also emotional awareness. And so there's also, um, you could have them just pay attention to what's the emotion I'm feeling right now without judgment, you know, and so throw a, put up a mood meter or some other, you know, with just list of emotions and have them kind of like, oh, try to identify, like, what am I feeling right now? Again, no judgment, just observe, you know, and that's okay. That's what you're feeling right now. And then, you know, they can kind of at different points, imagine, you know, just observe. That's cool. What a great idea. And with that, what ages can use these? What um, settings can use these? Can you use them at home? Can you use, I mean, clearly we can use them in schools, but what was your vision with this? Well, I'll take this on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so our, our original vision, so we were doing um, keynotes, Don and I, uh, around mindfulness and well-being, and we were using a juggling lesson as a metaphor for that. Um, or actually, I should say, as an embodiment of that, because you run into drops and dealing with reactions and growth mindset and all that stuff. So we were we were looking, we were teaching juggling in these keynotes, and we were looking for something that was a little bit easier to use in that in that environment. So you know, in an auditorium style, you know, a lot of times they're they're angled, so you drop a ball, it rolls away, and everybody's got two or three balls. It's just a lot going on. And so we were looking to simplify sort of the juggling aspect of it. Um, and so we were like, well, we need a ball that won't roll away. And so we we developed a flat juggling ball thinking, hey, this is good. Well, flat juggling, anti-roll juggling ball, trademark. We've, we've, <laughs> we've, we've got our idea. And then, uh, and then we realized, but, you know, we realized that we could use it as a hand sack. And there was a, there's a small community of hand sack players that have existed, you know, around the world. And so we're like, wait a minute, you know, instead of teaching juggling, which has a, a lot of a lot of baggage associated with it, because everybody knows what it is and everybody, you know, has this expectation of it's easy, it's hard, you know, I've tried, I can't do it, that kind of stuff. When we when we started using it, you know, instead of using juggling, using the hand sack in the back of the hand, we realized all of a sudden that not only was it easier to travel with and it was only one instead of three, but it didn't have all of that baggage that a lot of times a juggling has, which can be an advantage if you're talking about growth mindset, because a lot of people enter with a fixed mindset in that case. But we we so we switched to using the 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 hand sack, and then we're like, hey, wait a minute, we can just use it as a hand sack and not even do the juggling. We still teach juggling, incidentally, but but we're like, no, this is better. This is more uh, uh, applicable and adaptable to more spaces. And so you know, the question was, well, where can these be used? Um, Anywhere is the, the nice thing about it. It's very small. It's very compact. So in an auditorium setting, you know, where you have 500 people, you know, in a dark room, you can kind of play with it sitting down or standing up in that space. Um, but, you know, they're, they're great for just sort of a, a carry with you everyday play kind of toy. Um, you know, something like juggling balls, a little bit bigger. That's kind of hard to carry around. A yo-yo is good. You know, but the, the flop ball will fit right in your pocket. So you can carry it around with you and use it anytime you need to recenter yourself or refresh or re-energize. Um, so, you know, if I'm waiting in line somewhere at the DMV, I'm throwing around a flop ball because it's just easy to pick up and do and it doesn't take up a lot of space. Um, you can use them at home, you know, on the road, just kind of keeping them in your bag. Obviously, in a classroom, um, we're, we're seeing a, a huge um 
uh, adoption of them on college campuses. Uh, you know, uh, again, young people, but they, you know, they haven't had the the opportunity to connect and play with each other like uh, maybe we did. Um, I mean, Hannah, you look kind of young, but uh, uh, you know, Mallory, you might be close to our age a little bit. I don't know, but you know, when we were growing up, we didn't have the internet, and 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 so we'd hang out and play with people and and have those interactions. And so, you know, introducing them to the college kids is great because, you know, they're they're coming off a couple years of COVID, and you know, they grew up on screens, so they don't have as much experience engaging face to face, eye to eye. Um, so we're seeing them um, really, you know, we're handing them out during wellness events and trainings and stuff, but they're really taking hold just in the dorms where students are just hanging out, where it's just like a way to engage with each other that's safe, that's, you know, not a lot of pressure. And because it's a throwing and catching and an engaging kind of thing, you know, we don't have a lot of students or people kind of living in two worlds where they're on, you know, throwing a flop ball, but also on their phone, they're fully present in the moment. Um, and so where they fit really well, two places, one where an individual is trying to pass time or two where there's individuals kind of hanging out and are looking for a way to connect in the real world in an authentic way. Um, so. I could see this like in an airport with a long layover you know, entertaining yeah. kids when, like you said, when you're waiting in line for somewhere. I mean, how, what a great thing. And I love that you said it's easy. He's done it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Hannah. You're fine. But it is something that I always throw, like I either take a cart or a bag to class. And I, if it's the cart, I usually have the whole thing on there. But if it's a bag, I just toss in a couple. Because if we have something that's a little bit, that didn't take as much time as anticipated, and we have a few extra minutes, um, we'll use it just as a community builder within the classroom. And that's another great piece that we haven't hit on today is how it does allow you to seamlessly connect with others in a fun, um, low stress kind of way. It's not forceful. It's something that we all want to do. And there's tons of different ways that you can use this um, to build community and connections, which we will actually be doing this summer. Where at Mal? Woohoo! There's four different places. So school counselors, we would love for you to sign up for the dream team. We are going to do the summer academies in Colby, Kansas, Bueller, Kansas, Lawrence, Kansas, and then ending it in Atchison, Kansas. So be looking for those emails from Mr. Kent Reed. And it's very affordable. Your school district might even have money to pay for it. Um, and can we tell them the secret, Hannah, Paul, and well, Dawn? Before you do that, don't forget okay. about two cool cats. So we also have two workshops oh, that Valerie and I are putting yes. on as well in Lawrence. So you have six opportunities to see us this six. summer. That's right. So come and hang out with us. And now, Mallory, you can share <gasps> the secret. Okay. So Paul and Dawn are so amazing that they actually donated a ton of flop balls. How many, Hannah? A bajillion. A bajillion <laughs> for us to give away, to use, to present on. I have used the flop balls with um, a small group, individuals, and also some teachers. And I think the teachers had more fun with it. Yes, teacher, it's fun. It is fun. And everything that we have talked about today, I mean, just goes right into school counseling. And what's really cool with it too is you can make it your own, you can make any lesson 
into a flop ball lesson. You know, Hannah, you were talking earlier about respect and responsibility. I mean, what a perfect way when you're using the flop balls. You can't be chucking them against the room. You can't be chucking them against people's heads. You got to be respectful. You got to be careful. So you can even put that in there with the lesson. So that's amazing. So let's say um, we go to the conferences, but we don't get flop balls. We didn't get chosen. How can we order these? How can we buy these? Yeah, well, uh, oh, Don, you look like you want to speak. Yep. Um, if you go to flowcircus.com slash counselor, so flowcircus, F-L-O-W, circus.com, and then slash counselor, there's information about, um, we have them where you can get your school logo on them, so you can customize them, or okay. we also have kits, like classroom kits, so they come in different different variations, so so cool i have the primary colors and i love them it's so fun nice that is so cool yeah yeah and i just gotta say you know when when we were talking to uh hannah a while back you know and she was saying how she was going to introduce them you know to other counselors around kansas we're like you know it, it's always fun to play with but to to introduce people to toys and then take them back you know and like leave people with nothing just felt so mean <laughs> <laughs> I had done previously, and it was they. They all got one. They're like, "Do we get to keep this?" I said, "Actually, no. This is my." <laughs> and they were all like, "Oh!" And then I did have a counselor in my district ask if she could borrow mine, because they were doing a um, staff meeting and they wanted to build connections. So I let her borrow my flop balls for that. So they, I mean, people loved them. It's awesome. a good thing. They're so fun. Yeah. They are so fun, and they come in this really cool bag that you can travel with easily. So I love that. And what a great idea. You guys are so creative. So cool. All right. So we always end our podcast with a fun question. And since you both are jugglers, I can juggle a lot of things, but not physically. I can't literally juggle yet. Maybe someday. I like um, that growth mindset. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> what coolest thing you have juggled? Like, is it different items? Is it food? Is it fruit? Is it knives? I don't know. Yeah. I'm going to let Paul answer this one. He's the juggler. Yeah. Um, the coolest thing I've juggled. Well, um, you know, I've done all of the, 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 the traditional things, except for the, the chainsaws, but I've done machetes <laughs> and, and torches and balls. And I mean, I, you know, honestly, I'd say I'm most proud of, of juggling five balls. Um, Ooh, I'd say that's coolest, you know, because that when I was coming up as a juggler before the internet, um, if you could <laughs> juggle five balls, you were the real deal. And, uh, and you were the was, bee's knees. Yeah. Yeah. And that was something I set my mind to and I worked at all summer long and, and I got it. And I mean, that was, that was special to me, you know, um, that is very cool. Yeah. But he so, also, his, his, your well, no, but his also his routine that he does, like kind of finale routine that he used to do when he was more performing was he eats an apple while juggling a machete, an apple and some other objects. So he eats Robert the apple and then he catches the apple on the machete. Usually that is amazing. <laughs> Not always, but <laughs> okay, Dawn, you said you could juggle. What's the coolest thing you can juggle? Um, I don't really do a variety of objects. I just juggle three balls. Hey, that's and I can throw in a trick or two <laughs> once in a while. So <laughs> that is so much fun. I, 
I um I can spin plates. I can do you know flower sticks. I mean I I do all the basics and I can teach them all. That that's that's my that's thing. So good. <laughs> you're spreading so the love. Fun. Absolutely. Well, thank you both so much, Hannah. Thank you so much too. We appreciate all the work that you all do. Paul, Don, we just appreciate your time today and for all the things that you do, not only for counselors, but for education. So what a great message today. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Yeah, we appreciate it. And go get some flop balls, you guys. Thank you for kicking it with us today. If you'd like to stay connected, be sure to hit that subscribe button on Spotify or Apple.